on the air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, I hope that every episode that you listen to, you find a new and interesting writer or other creative person that you want to follow up on and learn more about, particularly their their product, their, their painting, their book, their music, whatever it is that we're talking about. Today, my guest is Kira Jane Buxton. I got wind of her debut novel um, several months before it was even ready to publish. It was just out in the trade papers and everything. Um, The book is called Hollow Kingdom. And when her publicist contacted me and said, you have to read this, I said, okay, because I happen to like dystopian and I like fantasy very, very much. Well, Hollow Kingdom has turned out to be my most favorite fantasy novel of the year. I am so thrilled to finally be speaking to the author. May I present Kira Jane Buxton. Hi, Kira. Welcome. Hi. Oh, thank you so much. That was a, such a lovely intro, and I'm just thrilled to be here, truly. <laughs> you know, um, I, I love the fact that this was not your classic dystopian tale of of man nuking man off the face of the earth. This um, this story that you wrote involves something very near and dear to my heart, and that is the natural world, um, the world of animals mm-hmm. and of other living things on this earth. Um, I know from your bio that you write a lot about animals and and birds and hummingbirds and and the things yes. that that are are beautiful to you. So, um let's talk a little bit first about Hollow Kingdom. Will you give listeners the a little bit of an elevator pitch? Absolutely, sure. Um it's a funny one. It's a hard. Um, it's a hard novel to sort of place firmly into any one genre. I've been sort of describing it as a uh, humorous literary novel that's dystopian with some horror elements and some nature writing and some fantasy. <laughs> that about um, covers it. Yeah. That about covers it, I think. I think that's all of it. I'm sure there's other things in there, too. Um, but it's narrated uh, by a crow, uh, a sort of snarky American crow. I call him my protagonist. Um, and his Absolutely. name is ST. <laughs> well, you have to tell everyone what ST stands for because they're going to wonder. And, you know, the one who remembers this later when I when I mention this <laughs> in my post is going to get a copy of your book. So tell us about ST. ST is uh, is short for shit turd, 
um, right. which is the del- delightful name his uh, owner, Big Jim, has given him, his human owner. Um, he's, he's a domesticated crow who's been raised by this Big Jim, who is a, uh, an electrician who lives in the Ravenna neighborhood of Seattle. And, um, and ST is this bird who sort of just loves us. He loves humanity, and he, he really doesn't want anything to do with the natural world at all. Um, he, he kind of sort of feels he's human, and uh, he's grown up on this sort of steady diet of television and pop culture and, you know, National Geographic and the Discovery Channel and Bravo right. TV um, and also his favorite food of all time, which is Cheetos. Cheetos, um, right. <laughs> which he feels very passionately about. And and then one day uh, something happens to Big Jim. Um, his eyeball falls out of his head, um, and St. thinks, "Oh, that seems a bit off." And so he goes about trying to help Big Jim in the best way um, he can with his little crow heart. And uh, uh, and then he realizes that you know he sort of isn't able to fix the situation, and he realizes that it's also sort of more widespread. Um, so poor old ST has to go out into the natural world and uh, try and find uh, a cure for Big Jim and uh, and ultimately try and save humanity. So that's kind of how Throughout, I've been describing it. <laughs> it that's, and that's perfectly, perfectly perfect for the description of this book. Um, along the way, um, ST meets other humans, and he's quite astounded by what he sees because the malady that has affected big Jim has also affected other humans, but in different ways. He also yeah. has his, he thinks of him as a dimwit, but um, Dennis, the dog <laughs> who is big Jim's, you know, sidekick too. He doesn't think yeah. very highly of Dennis. Um, as a matter of fact, he's, he's certain that he's the smartest one on the totem pole. But what a surprise! Very clear, yeah. Very, very clear ideas about that. So, um, (laughs) so what follows is um, is really a funny, a shocking, a a big-hearted tale about St's venture into the world beyond his television education that he gets that because he's he's smart i mean he's he he takes all this information in because he doesn't realize that he's not a human he just figures he is a de facto human um i i love this story on so many levels because um you he really is scared but he has such a love for big jim that he he says i'm gonna do this no matter what i have to help my human Yes. So it's the the first page of this book grabbed me because it's (laughs) so funny, and it's and he's really he he has a potty mouth, but he learned that from Big Jim. So uh, you know, yeah, yeah, which is really funny when you imagine this. Now, you actually have two domesticated crows, don't you? I have so I have uh, two wild crows who come and visit me every day. I befriended them, ah, and ah. Um, yeah, and I'm always. I know in my bio it makes it sound a little bit like I I own them. I definitely don't own them. I like to say they own me because um, it's actually it's it's kind of interesting. Um, crows are protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, so it's it's technically. 
actually, unless you have a, a federal permit, um, you can't actually own one. And I, I wouldn't recommend it anyway. They're so incredibly intelligent. And I can't imagine, you know, trying to, you know, the difficulty of stimulating one um, in a home. <laughs> Big Jim had his work cut out for him, I think. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I befriended these two and they've become like family to me. Um, they visit me every single day. Um, they are a mated pair. I call them dark wow. and tea. Um, and they're incredible. They, um, very, very smart, um, smarter than me. I think sometimes they, they, they can recognize my car as it drives down, as I drive down my street into my garage. And I have several, there's like three cars in my neighborhood that are the same. And I can't tell them, I could certainly couldn't tell them apart from above. <laughs> I need to read the license plate. Um, and they, uh, they have a good sense of humor. Um, they leave me gifts, um, he, the female, a lot of um, my character, ST's behaviors are based upon her behavior, things I've seen her do and her particular quirkiness. She's a kind of kind of clumsy character um, with a good sense of humor. She likes, she loves to sort of hide and then sneak up on me. That's one of the favorite things she does. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've definitely been very, very, very inspired by them. They're wonderful. You have other animals in your life as well, don't you? I do. I do. I share uh, inside my home. I have three cats I rescued, and I have a small bearded dog named Ewok. Um, and then outside, I sort of, I just started uh, kind of spending time with the birds in my yard, and I've ended up, you know, I hang out with the charm of hummingbirds. Um, who, you know, I, I also hand feed, so they land on my fingers, and um, How they're cool. a lot of fun. That's been, it's so cool, and it's been, it's, it's such a wonderful, um, you know, I, I think of it as sort of a, a meditation, but at the same time, it's, it's sort of the greatest en- entertainment of my life. They, they've really put Game of Thrones to shame with their sort of antics, and yeah, they're absolutely monsters. They're constantly fighting, um, but incredibly entertaining. Um, and then uh, I also have two juncos, two dark-eyed juncos, who I've known for about six years, uh, Jerry and Jemima, and <laughs> and then a family of Sellers Jays, who are like the punk rock birds uh, of my yard. <laughs> yeah, I'm so busy. funny. A squirrel as well, a squirrel named Earl. <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot. Of fun. I love that. I love that. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people say I like animals more than I like most people, and I like uh, I like people, but I do love yeah. animals too because they kind of don't have an agenda, except yeah. to you know be loved and cared for and and care for you right back in their own way. So um, yeah. it's really interesting. I want to talk about your writing. Um, your writing has appeared in the New York Times, in NewYorker.com, McSweeney's, The Rumpus, and HuffPost, and many more places. What were you writing for those publications? I was writing a lot of freelance humor, um, and mm-hmm. sort of I was steadily uh, sort of working on. Um, I, it was before I'd started writing Hollow Kingdom and I was just sort of freelancing and I've always been drawn to humor and humorous publications. So I think it was about 2016. Um, my husband and I were <laughs> at New Year's Eve. We, we clinked our glasses together and, and he said, you know, if you could have anything happen this year, what, what would be your main goal? And I really, really love McSweeney's uh, internet tendency. You know, I, I think that's a very sort of high caliber uh, literary humor. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I said to him, it, it, it could be anything. I'd, I'd really love to get published at McSweeney's. And uh, I, I set my heart to it, and I, uh, I wrote a piece, I think it was in January, and submitted and, and got accepted. And I think that wow. sort of gave me this tremendous confidence because I had, I'd really gone for the thing that felt I, I was most passionate about, and I achieved it. And I thought, well, what else? What else could I could I do? You know, <laughs> if I just I, I was very emboldened by it. I think, <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. So yeah, that I mean, that that yeah. led you to the path where you are today. Um, have you always considered yourself a writer at, of some form or the other? I've always written. Um, I know when I I think my first the first story I ever wrote when I was a, a kid. I was very young. I wrote a story about an overweight dragon. And, um, and I think then it was a sort of long, uh, you know, history of writing about animals and writing funny little things and funny poems. Um, I actually took a huge tangent and went off to L.A. Um, for 10 years to try and become an actress, which was kind of a disaster. Um, <laughs> nothing really came of it. Um, but I, did, I do think that's where I developed my sort of comedic chops you know that's where I mm-hmm, I learned mm-hmm. how to handle difficult situations and how to sort of look at things in hindsight and see them from a sort of skewed point of view um, and find the humor in things really to survive sometimes I think um, and then ultimately my husband uh, for my birthday bought me a, a writing class and I was wow. so nervous to go yeah that was at Santa Monica College and I was so nervous to go I deferred for a whole year <laughs> And then um, felt like I could, I finally thought, no, it's a present. I've got to do it. And I showed up and I was off to the races. I, I had a wonderful teacher, Monona Wally. And it was, it, I could, I, I'm just, it's impossible to get me away from writing. I just, I love it. I feel like anytime I get to do it, it feels like a tremendous privilege and um, a joy and an honor. Yeah. How wonderful. Um, I, You've, I'm assuming, because it could only be true, that your love of the natural world and, and all creatures comes from, from when you were a child. It had to be. Yes, lifelong, lifelong, as, as, as far back as I can remember. Um, I had an imaginary child, uh, imaginary child, I had an imaginary friend as a child um, who was not at all a child. He was a lion. Um, so there's always sort of been um, this, influence and and I I actually grew up in Asia and the Middle East and you know wherever my family moved we bounced around a lot and wherever we moved we we were the family that rescued things or people would kind of bring animals to us because they knew that we loved them you know and it was sort of here have this and um, I can remember you know living in uh, Dubai we'd get uh, camels would saunter into our backyard and I would get so excited and, and want them to stay and I'd say to my mom I'd say oh the camels are here you know they're here for us and she's like no they're not here for us <laughs> they're going to be moving on and there was uh, there was <laughs> there was one um, I remember there was a, a one-eyed goat that um, came into our yard also and I may have I may have ushered him into our yard if I recall 
correctly. Yeah. And it was the same thing. It was like, you're the one-eyed goat. He's here for us. And my mom was like, no, he's not here for us. And he's not perfect, but he's got one eye. <laughs> so as long as I can remember. And my first job was actually at a zoo. Um, I was, my mom got me a job uh, volunteering at a zoo in Indonesia. And uh, my job, I had these sort of, they'd give me these buckets of mealworms, and I had to pick out the little uh, beetles that had gone through this, you know, their metamorphosis, so that the mm-hmm. worms would feed the animals in the nursery. And uh, I, you know, I did that for like two days and was so proud of it. And then I, because I was 12 and very annoying, I decided I would take myself off. And I, I befriended a lot of the keepers at the zoo and ended up having these very amazing animal encounters. Um, everything from, you know, hand feeding the Sumatran rhino to hand feeding the hippos, which was amazing, holding cobras. Oh and I, I, did, I did it all. I was bitten on the butt by a baby white tiger, which was very exciting to me. It still is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I know it's so random, and it, I laugh about that because it's I, I I've had you know I'm lucky to have had some great things, great achievements happen you know lately. But that's like that is still the crowning achievement of my life. It's that's on my Twitter bio. I'm so proud of it. Bitten on the butt. Well, so your love animal of cracker. Yeah, your your love of the of animals comes comes to you almost in your DNA. Then, um, yeah. What did traveling do for your writing? Mm. Oh, I love that question. Um, you know, I think travel is so it's so good to develop a sense of um, a, a, to develop your sense of empathy about the world, yes. about other people yes. and other cultures and the environment and what's around us. It's, it's a wonderfully um, mind-expanding and also humbling experience to go to different countries. And, um, you know, my family was very lucky. We were always, uh, we always felt welcomed wherever we were. Um, and we, um, you know, got to, I got to experience things as a child that I think, you know, many people have to wait till adulthood to, to try to, you know, go and travel to certain places. And sure. um, I, think it, I think in terms of my writing, it has made me, I, I would attribute that to making, a, to, to any of my success would have been partly because I um, have had that privilege of being able to be around different cultures pretty much my whole life and, you know, and learn from them and, uh, you know, yeah, sort of developed. A, um, and I think also it, it, I fell in love with the planet through traveling and through seeing, you know, the diversity and biodiversity of our world, you know, and that made me certainly, that certainly instilled a, a conservation ethic in me and a sense of wanting to protect it, you know, and, Yes. Um, I'm I'm trying to do it through my writing as best I can, and it's 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 new and to me. But I that's my I think that's my biggest hope is that, you know, anybody reading the book will feel maybe a sense that you know the natural world is it's it's so. I feel we've become a little disconnected from it. Um, yes, we have. Outside our, we have, and it's it, it's just outside our door. Um, and it, there's a there's a wonderful conversation happening at all times um, in the natural world, and and it's there for us to tune into, um, which in, yes. goes back to me spending time with the birds in my yard. Is that that's what's happening? Is I'm I'm sort of learning 
learning a little bird language. Um, I mean, even literally yes. I'm learning bird language. You know, my juncos will let me know. Um, they do alarm calls, and I've, I've learned the alarm call for a cat and twice have been able to anticipate a cat coming into the yard. So I don't know. I, I find wow. it incredibly exhilarating to to think about that, 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 you know, if we can sort of move our minds to and open our minds to sort of thinking about the natural world as a conversation and, and, and remembering that we're part of it, you know, we've, I think we've forgotten that it's not us versus or versus the natural world or us and the natural world. It's us. It's all of us. It's yes. all connected. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I was listening to an interview um, a couple of weeks ago on NPR and someone said, if you feel disconnected, go for a walk outside. Just mm, go for a yes. walk. And yeah. um, I, I thought that was really, you know, it was almost an oversimplification. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I live in a high-rise apartment building, and um, mm. and you know, I have I have my my pets as we d- yeah. discussed before. But yeah. when I walk outside. There are, in the morning, there are, on the lake, turtles and fish Mm. and um, water birds that are Mm. out there perched on the logs. And then I walk on the other side, and there are squirrels and other kinds of birds and every dog Mm. known to man. And then, you know, whatever creatures I come across, just walking around the building, you know, that yeah. you, you come in contact with. And I like sitting outside listening to those bird sounds in the morning. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, yeah, it really is. And it's something that I'm now so familiar with that if it's not there, I wonder if the weather's changing or if there's yeah. a predator around. You know, um, I, I live yeah. in an area of southwest Florida. Well, and, and unfortunately, a lot of Florida is, um, particularly around the Everglades, has been overrun by not non-native species. So we have mm-hmm. things like, you know, big snakes that shouldn't be in the Everglades. Python. We have, yeah, yeah and yeah. monitor lizards and, you know, all this kind of weird stuff that's all over the place. I mean, every creature has a right to, <laughs> to a life. Just yeah. as long as yeah. you don't come in my yard, I'm okay with that. But um, <laughs> it is interesting when you see what happens when when humankind enters the animal world, and yeah. and how limited their space becomes. The Florida panther is very endangered now, and yeah. uh, so are key deer, the the deer from the Keys, mm-hmm. which are tiny little things. So. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I like knowing about the world around us. I, I like, I'm not upset when I see swarms of bees around the flowers at the entrance to my development. I, I think that's wonderful. You know, um, yeah. a very good but sign. Yeah. It is a very good sign indeed. Uh, your book speaks to me as an homage to the natural world and to that's what exactly it could right. be. Yeah. Yeah, if if we engaged with it, how wonderful it would be if we engaged with it. So um, yeah. that's how I'm choosing to look at it. In the meantime, I want to go back to the book itself. Um, you have received so many reviews and so much commentary about this book. When Did you ever in a million years think that your book was going to be the buzz of the year? <laughs> no, 
No, I'm first of all, I'm bowled over, um, you know, delighted beyond jumping around my house, um, thrilled to bits, and also filled with hope because people are people are reading it and um, reaching out and, and talking to me about their conversations with the natural world and their engagement with the natural world. And it's filling me with a hope that I don't think I had when I first started writing this book. Um, I was sort of feeling a bit desperate and a bit, you know, very, very concerned about climate crisis. And, um, and I wrote this book as a kind of, you know, way for me, partly way for me to process some of these feelings I was having and frustrations. And, you know, um, I, I've written about some of these experiences I've had where I've, I've been around, you know, uh, bald eagles and, you know, have, have told someone on a walk, you know, look up ahead, there's an eagle. And in particular, there was this um, gentleman who, who just turned to me and, you know, he, he had been looking down as he approached me on this pathway. And I said, there's, a, there's an eagle riding the thermals up ahead. And he, he said to me, I've been coming here for 30 years and I've never seen a bald eagle. And then he walked off. And the, I, I, Rather I, than I look, this right. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just, and, 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 you know, this is, you know, he's entitled to, you know, walk in any way he wants to walk and engage with what he wants sure. to engage with on his walks. But for, but for me, it was, it was this sort of really sharp reminder that I don't want to miss 30 years of eagles. I don't want to miss a day of eagles. I want to pay attention. Right. And, right. Um, and so I, I had no idea. And, and I also started writing this book on the heels of, um, you know, 10 years of acting rejections. And then I'd actually written three other novels and a memoir um, before I wrote this book. And I had, I had gotten very close to landing an agent with uh, one particular novel and it was very exciting. And I, you know, I hired some great editors to help me. And ultimately I messed with this book too much and I completely lost it. I would uh-huh. open up the document. I, I couldn't even see, I couldn't even see a single word of it. It was just, I just had, I had over edited it and it just was a sort of nebulous blur and I had no connection to it. And I kind of fell into this little funk about it. I was very, very, felt very sorry for myself. (laughs) Um, I've been joking that I, you know, I rolled around the floor a lot and I drank wine out of a salad bowl. You know, it was just just not, not not the easiest time. And it was actually my husband that said, you know, he said, why don't you go write the thing about the crows? And I, you know, I had wanted to write about them for so long, but didn't know how. And, and he also was really clear about two things. He said, you know, don't write this book with an expectation of publication or landing an agent or any of these external things. It's good to have these right. goals, but it shouldn't be the reason. It shouldn't be the DNA of this novel. And, and he said, just have fun with it, which sounds so simple, <laughs> But I think it's the best writing advice I've ever received. Um, just have fun with it, because if you're having fun, the energy of that is is very prevalent, you know. Um, and so I I started writing. I was floored by the language coming out of this crow and his name, and you know there were a lot of surprises for me as I wrote it. Um, and I honestly never thought uh, that I would get a book published when it was narrated by a crow named Shit Turd. <laughs> Very big surprise. But, you know, yeah, I think yeah. you probably put aside all that preconceived stuff that you thought you were supposed to do in order to be published and had fun writing it. And, and there is 
you know, the true labor of love. Um, I yeah. want to read something that was written by one of my favorite authors who wrote one of my favorite books, H is for Hawk by Helen McDonald. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Highly praised book. She wrote, Hollow Hall- yeah. Kingdom is a nature book for our own age, an exuberant, glittering, hard-hitting mashup of Dawn of the Dead and The Incredible Journey. It's an adventure lit by strange myths brand names, television, and smartphone screens, a fable with teeth, and claws about animals making new lives among the ruins of humanity. It's transformative, poignant, and funny as hell. ST, the irrepressible (laughs) cursing crow, is my new favorite apocalyptic hero. High praise indeed from a woman whose work I highly respect, and I know she's respected by many, many others. Um, Congratulations on all your success with this book. So, thank you, Pam. What's next? Ooh, um, I am going to continue. I think to write sort of shorter, funny pieces as the as the as the muse is kind and inspiration strikes. But I also I do hope that I get to explore more in this uh, world because I think um, probably our loquacious a loquacious crow. It's not done squawking about things. <laughs> I'm sure he has more to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think and, that's and great. In the, and in the, yeah. And in the meantime, um, it's very exciting. Um, AMC has actually optioned the TV rights. So we may Yay! be seeing him. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> yes, oh, how wonderful. Yeah, oh, that's so wonderful. He may be flapping around a screen near you. So, <laughs> Wouldn't that just yeah. be amazing? You know, if not yeah. a television show, it would be a great movie too. So whatever happens, I yeah. hope it happens soon for you. Because um, uh, as I said, the buzz, the, the, the pre-publication buzz was so strong on this. So when your publicist said, you got to read this, and I said, oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, do you want to do an interview? And I said, oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so so in the meanwhile, tell everyone where they can find you on the webs and in social media. Yeah, so um, all of my events and the news, and um, I'm so fortunate to have so many reviews by independent booksellers who are the absolute best. The bee's knees, I like to say. Um, that's right. all on my website, kirajanebuxton.com. And then I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. Then uh, that's at Kira Jane Rice. And I'm also on Facebook, uh, just Google Kira and, Jane Buxton. Yeah. And I, I have to encourage you to go and see Kira's website and look under About. And you are going to see a photo <laughs> of... Of Kira dressed up like, um, like, uh, I don't know, Holmes and Watson, whichever one, like an old fashioned detective, but Ewok, her dog has a miniature bowler hat and a little monocle on, and he is the cutest little thing. And he does look like an Ewok for sure. You've got to go check out that picture. So, um, Kara Jane Buxton, I'm so thrilled that we finally had a chance to do this. Do you promise to come back again? Oh, my goodness. Yes, please. I'm so glad you asked. I was hoping you would. I would love to come back. I, Pam, I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you. You, you and me both. <laughs> this is Kara Jane Buxton. The new book is called Hollow Kingdom. I, I give it 10 stars. You absolutely have to get this book. Kara Jane, thank you so much. 
And thank you, listeners and and readers, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. (laughs) 